Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of Uncanny Treks. Uh, we like to play a game when a Star Trek show is airing, when there's even the most tenuous, the most flimsy, the most fragile connections to a science fiction movie. I like to make Matt watch that movie. So during season three of Picard, we watched The Jetty and 12 Monkeys. And now it's season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And there was an episode called Ad Astra Por Aspera. So I'm making Matt watch the 2019 science fiction movie Ad Astra from director James Gray. Matt, how the hell are you doing tonight? Doing pretty well, Bob. This was a fun little space film. Maybe. It's a space film. It's a space <laughs> film. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a kind of like specific like astronaut science fiction aesthetic, you know, that like Apollo 13, which arguably isn't even a science fiction film, but like, you know, Apollo 13, Gravity, The Martian, those type movies. There's a level of realism to it. Yeah. 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 And this this is definitely in that genre. It's a little bit more further along the timeline and further along human extension into the solar system than gravity or Apollo 13 or the Martian, but it's still kind of similar vibe with like your astronaut suits and your kind of relatively primitive spaceships, that sort of thing. Yeah. When Bob and I are, are in a home somewhere and, you know, and we're like 80 or 90, maybe they will be on Mars Maybe. Probably we're not going to live to see Neptune uh, or people get to Neptune. Don't, yeah, don't get your yeah. hips up on that, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like, but, you know, I don't even know if we're going to see Mars, man, because like in the 60s, people might have been saying, oh, when I'm in the when I'm in the old folks home, they'll be in Mars. They'll be in the, in the asteroid belt. And yeah. you know, that didn't happen, did it? No. But Bob, we have Elon Musk and that's what matters. <laughs> so what you're saying, Matt, is we're all going to die. That's what you're saying. Papa Elon is going to save the day. He's going to build a spaceship that's going to take us everywhere we want to go. And it's going to be sleek. Matt, every time I log on to Papa Elon's Twitter, the interface is appreciably worse. Oh, I know. It's, it's going to fall apart. I, yeah. I yeah. We're, we're all going to die. <laughs> Can we give money to smart people? I'm sorry. Like, I just don't get it. Like, but Matt, you, Matt, you think a you think a system of inheritance where a guy whose dad bought an emerald mine in apartheid South Africa, you don't think that's a good basis for distributing investment in technology? What? What? He's so smart. He's so rich. That is that is one of our biggest issues, and like on the most simplistic level, people associate wealth with intelligence. Yeah. They are not intertwined. I mean, they can be. But not always. Well, <laughs> well, actually, not even always. Not even most of the time. Yeah, no. There's no necessary connection. And I mean, and, also, and the biggest, I, and the reason this, the reason this occurred, Bob, and this is going to go way off into the. I'll probably call yeah, this, yeah. but the reason this goes off is because they pushed college so much in the 80s and 90s that that's the only way you can make money is if you do this. Mm-hmm. So all these people went and got an education and then turn around. Oh shit, we were just kidding. We just wanted the college institutions to make money. And like they, yeah. they were they were just conning you. It was it was it's just awful. Well, like and in fa- in in fairness, it's it's also that like real wages have been like stagnating since the yeah. 70s. And so in in a certain sense like going to college is the rational thing to do in the sense that it's like the only way you can hope for like a wage bump. Like it it doesn't guarantee one, but it's the only way you can hope for one because like there's just, you know, we don't, and there were a lot of problems in the American economy in the fifties and the sixties, but at least in the fifties and the sixties, there was like some possibility that, you know, you could climb the corporate ladder wherever you worked. Oh yeah. It's just, it was just different, but I mean, it's, and it's just the number of people that 
are able to have access. Okay, we gave them access to the education, but then the education was not really as valuable as we needed it to be. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, and just the very the very fact that more people get it dilutes the value of it, which right. is not an argument against education, but it is an argument against like treating education as like the main thing that you should be financially rewarded upon. Yeah. All right, Bob, let's, let's, let's move into this film. Cause fair, fair. Uh, have you seen any, uh, any films from the director, James Gray, Matt? Bob, I have no familiarity at all with this dude. I looked him up on internet, maybe database, not a clue. Uh, he's a New York guy. Uh, he makes a lot of really good, uh, a lot of really good New York films, um, some non-New York films, mostly New York films. I've seen all of his films except for one I couldn't finish because it's a coming of age film. I, it's coming of age, man. It's rough. But um, most of his films are crime films, but there's uh, and they're very good by and large. The one I think I like a lot and would recommend to you that's not a crime film is he did The Lost City of Z a few years ago with Robert Pattinson. Uh, that's a pretty good adventure movie. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of that. That was the only one I've like I recognized from his work. I didn't really recognize any of the other films. Like I remember that one yeah. being advertised. Yeah, most of the others New York are just New York City crime films. Mostly, mm-hmm. there's a romance film or two in there as well. Um, anyway, so Matt, at what point in this movie did you clock that it was a Heart of Darkness or Apocalypse Now adaptation? I think I texted you about this when. Brad Pitt's character was swimming through the gas line to get on the rocket from Mars to Neptune. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And if, uh, if, you know, listeners haven't seen the film, they should go watch it. It's a good film. Basically the plot's just apocalypse now, but with a, uh, you know, in space and instead of going up the river, you got to go out to Neptune and it has the additional thing of, you know, Brad Pitt is Tommy Lee Jones's son, which you know, arguable how much you needed that for the plot, but there it is. For those of you that aren't literary buffs like myself, I have actually read Heart of Darkness, and it's about, it's set in the Congo, correct? Yes. Yes. All right. It's the same, it's the same basic premise of this person traveling down uh, Imperial Africa. Yeah. Imperial, Imperial Africa, yeah. the, the Congo, whatever. Yeah. You they're traveling. Yeah. yeah. They're traveling down a river in the Imperial, Imperial Congo. I haven't read this since, uh, like, well, I guess it was 2000. Two, <laughs> so it's, it's three, probably, probably, yeah. So, it, but I do, I remember that part. And then, Apocalypse Now, they're in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, doing the same journal idea. And now here in this, and at Astra, they're in space. So it's kind of like pick your setting, yeah, pick your time, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Although there is like, there's kind of a theme of Tommy Lee Jones is out there at Neptune trying to contact alien life trying to find alien life, which is he, he's put in a similar situation as Colonel Kurtz in the novella or the film. But it's it's kind of, you know, it's a little bit of a different thing. And then there's also there's kind of consequences of what Tommy Lee Jones has done. That's echoing back in the solar system, which doesn't exactly happen in the same way in the novella or the film. But broadly, the, the principle is the same. To continue our uh, our trilogy of Ad Astra, there's also a Soviet film on YouTube I, I want to make you watch that's uh, called Per Aspera Ad Astra that's kind of random and kind of interesting. So I kind of want us to do that next week. Is it as short as Legetti? No, it's, uh, it's two hours. Oh, okay. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> I, if it makes you feel any better, I'm having you watch the two hour version, which is 
a little shorter and excises some of the Soviet ideological content as opposed to the two uh, the two hour twenty minute version, which is slower and has a you know more more preaching about the Soviet Union. Well, it's on YouTube, so it must be very popular. Oh yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a very interesting film. I've taught I've taught it before. I like it. I like it. Okay, um, well, I'll give it a shot, Bob. Yeah, yeah. All right, Matt. So you know. We have Brad Pitt. Initially, he uh, falls off a space ladder. Very, very cool scene. Very interesting scene. He parachutes off the space ladder. And then we have him, you know, sent on his mission. He's uh, taken a commercial flight to the moon. Did you get any uh, 2001 a Space Odyssey vibes off that flight to the moon? I mean, kind of. There was lots of like airplane type stuff. Not like airplane, the movie funny. Not like that airplane, but like just adding like a trip to the moon would be like taking an international flight somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a weird concept to think that, okay, that may be our future at some point. You know, we were talking about Bidenflation last episode, Matt. Do you like that Bidenflation of one hundred and twenty five dollars for a blanket and a pillow pack? Yeah, I want to say those are actually free now, but you have to request them. So that's a that's a huge they start charging for that shit. That's just a that's just like a simple thing, too. That would be really sad if like I was going to go to the because I can't remember how long it specifically said it takes to get to the moon. Was it was it three days? I, they, I'm sure they said, but I got to be honest, I didn't clock it. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't three days. Maybe it was much faster in the movie. I don't remember. But all I know is I just feel like if you're going to the moon, you should at least have a blanket and a pillow. One of my favorite genres of uh, people posting on Twitter is them observing like, oh, I'm getting on an international flight and the dude next to me is just raw dogging it. He's like just sitting there with a Sprite looking straight ahead. He doesn't have a book. He doesn't have headphones. He doesn't have a movie on. He's taken no drugs. He's just sitting there for eight hours. <laughs> there are people that can do that. I am not one of them. I I don't know if that's a virtue, Matt. <laughs> I don't either. I think it's a, it's a pretty bad. If you just turn your brain off for eight straight hours. <laughs> but what do people? I mean, but honestly, Bob, what do people do before all the entertainment shit? Other than I read books. I get that. But like, is that it? Well, books are fairly recent technological thing at least is like a widespread phenomenon right so are <laughs> like, airplanes i mean <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean presi- presumably there you know there were long trips uh yeah, they were before boats and they were having to do like work and shit and the setting was the setting was more variable once they take their uh once they take their journey to the moon they get there the moon's kind of a dystopian hellhole right like corporate logos everywhere just a bunch of annoying tourists brad pitt kind of reflects in the voiceover that it's just a reflection of what we're running from on the earth so you oh know, yeah we, it looks just like an airport on earth yeah yeah so that, i think that's one of the things back when this movie came out that people most commented on was this kind of like you know, what would happen if Elon Musk did get us to the moon? It would just look terrible. Well, it's true. I mean, it's like that even it's already like that here on Earth. You go someplace to see something, you know, that you've seen in pictures and everything. And then when you actually see it, it's usually like there's a Starbucks in front of it. There's a big ass yeah. billboard advertising something stupid, like right next to it. Have you ever, <laughs> have you ever seen the pictures of uh, the pyramids of Giza, like how they look with with the town, like right next to it? Oh, no, no. I'm oh, sure, looks, I'm sure it, that's it, wild, though. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like, wow, that's not that it, like it's not what you imagine, like this desert with a pyramid. Yeah, it's like you don't, you, you don't have to go out three hours in the desert to it's find It's like suburban neighborhoods and then the pyramid. <laughs> like, <what> the fuck? <laughs> 
<laughs> don't quote me on that, but it does look stupid. I, I agree. It, it looks weird. Like yeah, you have to, yeah. you have to Google it one day. But anyway, but that's that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, everything you want to see, everything you ever want to go to is so corporate and always has this like you're always standing in a in a fucking queue. The joys of globalization, or I guess in in this movie, solar systemization. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Matt, we get a uh, one of the other more famous scenes of the movie. Uh, to the extent the movie has famous scenes, is Brad Pitt is being uh, transported on a lunar rover to a rocket on the far side of the moon, the dark side of the moon, and uh, moon pirates come after them, and so we get a <laughs> lunar rover chase uh, that goes under some solar panels. What did you make of this uh, this famous scene? I thought the they thought it was so stupid at first, but then the actual like way they filmed it, I've never seen anything like it, Bob. It was slow motion. It was like a slow motion chase with weapons that I really didn't understand. I think they were supposed to just puncture your suit. Yeah, but I, I think feel that's like right. if you're shooting a if you're shooting something on the moon, how do you accurately aim the weapon? I guess the velocity would have to be like super fast enough not to make the bullet miss its target. I don't know. It was just it was just, it was just fascinating how they had like a drive by car chase shooting thing in moon buggies. <laughs> Never seen it before. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something just deeply like alien about it with like everybody in bulky space suits and their faces obscured, you know? Yeah. And how quickly like crime just like takes over. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we got moon. pirates on the moon. Moon pirates, man. Can't go. Moon can't go pirates. anywhere because there's fucking pirates on the moon. Can't go anywhere in the ocean. There's fucking pirates. So, uh, you know, Brad Pitt escapes the moon pirates, uh, gets on a rocket uh, with a crew. They blast off to Mars, but then they're uh, derailed uh, by a distress call. Uh, Matt, what did you think about uh, this scene where Brad Pitt and the captain of the rocket go into the the Norwegian ship that emitted the distress call? They go in. I'm like, okay, these people are this this is not good. Some people are dead. And I kind of got weird vibes off this part. This is when I knew this movie wasn't like what I originally thought it was, which was just a like stupid space action movie. I'm like, okay, there's yeah. something more going on here. You said, uh, Bob, giving me generic astronaut movie number two. Yeah, I was like, okay, <laughs> we, we got that scene over with the chase scene's gone. Let's move on to the exposition, then we'll move on to the. Like, I'm over here, uh, James Gunn planning it out or some shit. So. I was I was really scared of like those baboons that showed up in the space station. They, yeah. I thought it was an alien at first, and I was like, "Oh God, this is." Well, I was like, "What is this?" That's only. Then I was like, "Oh, it's a baboon. This is like a research science thing. They were testing baboons." Yeah, yeah. I was like, and, and they went, crazy. they went feral in space, baby. <laughs> feral and in murdered space. Every, everyone on the station. What a horrible way to go. And who's to say they didn't have it coming for what they were doing to the poor baboons? Yeah, well, you take baboons in space. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's a crazy sequence, and yeah, re- really kind of really kind of surprising and upsetting, right? In its implications. But then they whip out those guns again. That I don't I don't know how they work because they work in space too. They just I don't know how you properly aim well, a space it's gun not in that. space, but in a in, in a space. Yeah, well, in, in yeah they're still floating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's zero gravity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm saying that seems like a throw off your aim. I'm very much stuck on this part about the aim, Bob. I'm very much stuck on this. I, I, I can tell. I can this tell. This is the I biggest would... problem I have with this film is the guns. <laughs> Matt, I, I've betrayed I've betrayed your father and I've betrayed my physics teacher and I just don't remember anything about the science and I can't tell oh. you anything interesting about oh. the science. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, whatever I'm telling you probably isn't real anyway. It's probably pseudoscience. I'm just making shit up, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
<laughs> so our boy Brad Pitt, he you know he gets off the the baboon ship. The captain doesn't. He makes it to Mars, and uh, we get one of the kind of. And I thought this was an interesting tie-in to Strange New Worlds. There are not many. Mostly, this was just sheer opportunism. Of the titles are the same, and I like this movie, so I wanted to make Matt watch make Matt watch this movie. But you know, in Strange in the Strange New Worlds episode uh, at Astra per Aspera. We have the uh, the kind of dystopian sense that Starfleet is like monitoring the officer's personal logs. And in this movie, we have the repeated motif of Brad Pitt is having to like submit like answers to like therapeutic questions into a computer system. And it seems like the computer system is like measuring like the tone of his voice and the emotion heart rate is a big piece. Yeah. Heart rate probably and saying like whether or not he's like stable enough to continue with the mission. Right. And, uh, you know, somehow after the baboon attack and some re- revelations about his father, Brad Pitt's not doing so great. He's not, a, he's not on mode as they might say in young justice. And so he has to get sent to a comfort room, uh, to chill out till he can pass the psyche valve. Matt, do you ever need to get returned to the comfort room? I don't know. Sometimes like a comfort room would be nice. But then I, I looked at their comfort room and I hope there was more to it than just like random projections of birds and shit on the walls. Like, yeah. Know. Ocean noises. And I'm hoping there were some, some kind of drug involved. I don't, I don't know. I, I just feel like I don't think sitting in a chair watching that kind of stuff would calm me. I don't. I mean, I think it would have limited utility, but I do think it might be surprising how effective just, you know, something close to natural light and natural sound might be like if you think about like the flat colors on like Mars, right, with like the kind of like right. uniform, that uniform orange they shoot everything in. You, you can imagine that like the comfort room just like on a kind of unconscious level would maybe ease you up quite a bit. Well, here's here's another thing, Bob. We're far in the future. We're mm. able to travel to Neptune. This yep. is still the best psychological treatment they can provide. I mean, the human animal is a complicated beast, man. <laughs> what does that tell you? <laughs> we can get to Neptune, but our people go insane. And what do we do? We put them in a room with some projection. Projections. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like literal projector folks, not like, I don't, I, when I, 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 it's just, you can buy one of these things like star projectors at, at Walmart. It's nothing. Matt, are you saying that instead of exploring outer space, perhaps we need to be exploring inner space? Oh. It's a good idea, Bob. We should. We need to travel inward, not outward. And that's kind oh, of what man. Brad Pitt does, Bob. Indeed. He takes an inward journey. I'm not sure if I appreciated the irony of this when I first saw the film, but it is kind of interesting. One of the things that's stressing Brad Pitt out is that he finds out that his father, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, murdered his crew uh, because he claims they were mutinying. Bure- the bureaucracy is saying, no, Brad Pitt, you can't go. And Brad Pitt's like, no, I'm going. God damn it. And so he stows away on the rocket to Neptune and it winds up with him having to, you know, in self-defense, murder the entire crew of the rocket. And I didn't really appreciate till that moment of how it had kind of brought, uh, you know, the dramatic irony of like Brad Pitt becoming his father, basically. Yeah, it was at this point that I even questioned that, Bob. I thought maybe there was going to be some time travel shit going on, like Tommy Lee Jones was actually Brad Pitt in like a never-ending cycle or something. Like I, I didn't, because I felt like he was just doing the same thing his father did. Yeah, and certainly psychologically, there's something to be said for that. But thankfully, that's what they're, like, I mean, that's what they're going yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, thankfully, narratively, they did. They did yeah. go there. <laughs> they could have. <laughs> 
So Matt, it's a it's a 79 day jaunt from uh, Mars to Neptune uh, in this rocket, and uh, Brad Pitt murdered everybody else on the ship. You think he could handle 79 days in, 79 days out? Absolutely not, Bob. <laughs> I've uh, <laughs> I've actually thought about stuff like this. He, you know, he had some like meters and things to look at along the way. You know, you could check the filters when he was bored. You know, that's about all he had to do. Like you even showed that, you know, he was just like checking scientific gauges and stuff. That's all he, he had nothing else going on. And he still had, I, he did actually release the dead bodies. However, his yeah. father didn't, which was really weird. I don't know if you caught that when he finally did. Yeah, his father. I, that's a good point. That's a really yeah, good at point. Least, at least Brad Pitt's character knew like, okay, I got to dump these bodies. I'll leave them hanging around while I'm trying to, while I'm spending 79 days in here. Well, and it's also like, it's a way, in a way, it's a way. It's not just dumping them. It's like a way of like giving him funeral rights, showing him respect, which is. Yeah, there, yeah, there is some yeah. respect there. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I feel like, you know, some of, I think once the one character died accidentally, he felt like he do it. He had to kill the other, the remaining characters. It is kind of interesting because it's like in both cases, you can kind of justify like what Tommy Lee did or what Brad Pitt is doing is like in the name of like the greater good. Although kind of interestingly in what Tommy Lee's doing, he's more just doing it because he wants to continue tr- the surveying and the attempt to find alien life. So it's a little bit more of an abstract thing where it's Brad Pitt's like known that, you know, the waves from the Neptune craft are like causing death in the solar system. Like we've got to stop this. I'm the only one who can point about the 79 days of isolation. I don't want to do it, but I think I could. I I think I could. I don't want to. I don't want to test that. You tap by like day four. I mean, if I had books, I, I I could do it. No problem. If I didn't have books, I, I really wouldn't want to do that. But I, I could probably manage. Oh, geez. I, I, I wouldn't last a week. I wouldn't last even half a week. I've gone days without talking to people, especially during the pandemic when I, you know, I live alone. Like, it's yeah. just. But 79 days, Bob. That's a lot. But there is a diff- <laughs> there is a difference, too, in like it's not indefinite. It's like a period of time for a purpose. And that's, that's, that's a little different than like the random experience of lockdown where it was like a lot fewer days, but it was to no clear purpose and to no clear. Well, you have a goal and a time, like a time countdown basically. So yeah. Whereas the pandemic, it just was never ending. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we do get some interesting, like, uh, Tommy Lee, uh, voiceovers while, you know, we have to have a montage to show the 79 days. (laughs) And I, uh, I, I really did like Tommy Lee's kind of, you know, I'm just going to call it his corn pone Nietzsche uh, thought. He, he, at one point, he's like, I'm beyond your morality. I have total clarity. It was it was a very, uh, very interesting and vivid line. I mean, that's, that's what you get when you're on the edge of the solar system hanging out for <laughs> years. <laughs> you go, uh, you go total, uh, total Nietzsche. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, you you raised a really good point about like the kind of creepiness of Tommy Lee not maintaining the space, unlike Brad Pitt. Did you kind of have any other thoughts on the big confrontation between Tommy Lee and Brad Pitt? If you're going to spend 30 years out there looking for stuff, you're not going to have any kind of like social skills or anything in or interactions. And here, I feel like Tommy Lee was probably Tommy Lee's character was probably already past the breaking point way before he got to this to Neptune. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's like seems way like. before. What did you think of the reveal at the end where 
you know, so, but, you know, Tommy Lee dies, Brad Pitt blows up the ship to stop the pulses that are disrupting life in the solar system. And, you know, he make he makes it back, but he makes it back with the data that Tommy Lee is collected from being out in Neptune for so long. And basically like Brad Pitt's verdict in the voiceover on the data is that like, Tommy Lee was like despairing and kind of pushed into nihilism because he never found alien life. But Brad Pitt points out it's like, but he did get, you know, tremendous data about life outside the solar system, you know, like lots of beautiful, interesting, vital, like, you know, shots of like exoplanets and exosolar systems. And so, you know, he kind of sums it up as Tommy Lee could only see what was not there. I don't know. What, what did he you think of that? to see life, of, Bob. All he found yeah. were planets. Well, I don't know. I just, I just, I kind of have some sympathy for Tommy Lee's position here, which is like, on the one hand, like, I'm sure all of that data is very beautiful and very interesting. But at the same time, like, there's something, if humans are alone in the universe, there's something really weird about that. (laughs) Yeah, Bob, Tommy Lee did not want to seek data. He wanted to seek new life and new civilizations. Oh fuck you! I'm trying to get. I'm trying to make a serious false. He wanted point. to boldly go where no man has gone before. Fuck you. Which he kind of uh, did, but he didn't meet <laughs> new life and new civilizations. The, I know the, what you're saying, Bob. But yeah. it, 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 if we're alone in the universe, that is kind of fucked up. I agree. Yeah, it's it's just so it's so very strange and random. I'm still stuck on the whole on the whole simulation theory, Bob. We're just some like computer game, some kids playing somewhere. I don't, to me, that's even to me that seems even more like narcissistic than the idea that we're alone. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Like what in the world? What in you like? Think about the last three weeks of of the news. If this is a simulation, what the hell is someone learning from this? Like it's just oh, insane. Nothing. I mean, they're just they're just yeah. fucking around, Bob. They're not. Yeah, it's like yeah. just a game. I think like things like that. Like there are equations calculating the probability of life, and I think that's. I think it's. I mean, it's definitely it's like extrapolative science or, you know, it's kind of speculative, but I think it's pretty solid. Like just just the, the numbers would equation. be <laughs> no, like no, it would be so strange if life never evolved anywhere like that would just it, it just it just doesn't seem plausible. It like, wouldn't make at, sense. You're right. At, at that point, you almost like have to take some sort of theological view of it then. But even that, that still just seems weird of like what what's all that wasted space for then? This sounds like an argument that I can use to bring you to Christ, Bob. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, only if, if I can, can prove, prove that, Bob, will you accept Jesus into your heart? <laughs> no, because I because uh, I have a lot of questions about Jesus's taste, Matt. Like, why is why did he waste all this space and energy on a whole observable known universe? Like, it's just so strange. <laughs> I don't know, Bob. It's in the Bible somewhere. All right, let's get back to this film. So, <laughs> all right. Well, so to get back on this film, I want to get off this film. Matt, did you ever see the Clint Eastwood film Space Cowboys? I did not. I've I've heard about it and I've seen like clips of it, but I've never actually watched it. It has uh, apparently it has Clint Eastwood, Tommy Lee, and Donald. Uh, is it Donald Sutherland? Sutherland? Yeah, it's Donald yeah. Sutherland. I wanted to say Donald Pleasance, and I'm like, no, it's not Donald Pleasance. I. I my impression of it from the trailers when we were young was that it was much more is much more of a comedy than this. But I was trying to look up something about this movie. And like the first Google result was like, what's the connection between Space Cowboys and Ad Astra? And I was like, huh, I'd never considered that there might be a, a connection. <laughs> so if you've watched Space Cowboys. No, never have. Never. Oh, have. You haven't. Oh, OK. I mean, that may be one we need to watch, too, Bob. Just to get the- I, don't, I don't I don't know if that's one we need to watch. I mean, making me watch Bob. 
Making you watch an 80s Soviet movie, yes, Matt, I will do that. <laughs> Making you watch a uh, Space Cowboys, uh, I don't uh, know. Damn I don't it. know. Oh well. Oh. I'm so, a, so uh, Matt, I'll, I'll see what streaming service is on and maybe give it a shot. Did you see? I do like Tommy Lee. I had to say that. I, I mean, Tommy, Tommy Lee's a great actor. I mean, he's yeah. one of the best. So, did you see any connection to uh, the Strange New Worlds episode of the same name, Matt? Yeah, because Ad Astra means thus one goes to the stars. And it's what it just means to the stars or to the stars. Yeah. It's what number one wanted to do. And it's what Brad Pitt has to do. So ta-da, there's a connection between episode <laughs> two of season two, Strange New Worlds and this film. Yeah, I uh, I would say that uh, it was, it was kind of surprising to me how much both narratives revolve around like Starfleet or like Spacecom as the like the you know, the U.S. like Space Force in Ad Astra, but how much both narratives revolve around Starfleet and Spacecom trying to cover their asses. <laughs> that was a kind of interesting connection. Yeah, just just bomb it. <laughs> All right, Matt, would you they consider this a sci- bomb. They just they just bomb everything. Yeah, I see you're the whole Neptune base. They're gonna bomb. I see you're embracing the Tommy Lee uh, nihilism. So, Matt, would you consider this a, a sci-fi horror film? I mean, it has at least two jump scares, Bob. The That's true. Body, there's a body count due to all the murder, and there's really dark tones. So, yeah, I, I would consider it a sci-fi horror film. Well, really, Matt, sure. nothing's nothing's more frightening than the revelation that we're all alone. It's just you and me podcasting. There's no one else, Matt. <laughs> no, Bob, I don't even believe you're there. I'm just talking to like. <laughs> what are your favorite sci-fi horror films? Bob, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pleb. So Alien or Terminator probably would be mine. I mean, nothing wrong with Alien. Nothing wrong yeah. with Alien. Um, I, I really like the thing. I would say one of the things I liked about 2019 was I felt like you had three movies come out that were all about um, confronting the emptiness of the universe uh, and having a mad space captain. And so you had this movie um, with Tommy Lee. You had uh, the movie High Life uh, with Robert Pattinson, which was a really good movie. And then you had a Swedish movie called Anara, um, all of which I really enjoyed. So 2019 was like the high peak for like nihilistic sci-fi horror, I feel like. I don't think I've seen any of those, but good. Indeed. Indeed. One thing I did not mention in our Strange New Worlds coverage for season two, episode two, is that when you had me watch this film, I watched it first. Okay. So when I went into Strange New Worlds, I was expecting some sort of Heart of Darkness plot. Uh huh. So when Pike was first like walking down with a gas mask on his face and stuff in that episode, I thought he was going to meet with the he was going to meet with somebody, but the lawyer wasn't going to be there. Uh huh. And then they were going to send him on like some further journey into space. And you were eventually going to find out this lawyer was like, you know, crazy. Just like Brad Pitt's dad. <laughs> so she was going to be the intergalactic space tyrant for the Strange New Worlds episode. But she was going to be a damn good lawyer. <laughs> that was my I first mean, thought when i was watching it <laughs> because because i knew something was I like I, I was like oh shit this is gonna be but no it was not the same so yeah that, that was the thought i need to share with you for what it was worth. <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's a good thought it's a good thought <laughs> oh man so let's see matt what was your favorite visual of the movie okay when brad pitt is swimming in the gas line that was a scene. That's when I also texted you. I was like, this is so, there's something weird going on with this film that was so claustrophobic and you could just smell the gasoline. 
And that's what bothered me. And I knew that if he didn't have the helmet, it would be destroying his body. Had big uh, kind of like negative womb imagery, negative womb imagery to it. Oh, too, yeah. Didn't yeah. It? yeah, very, very much, much so. so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, was a, there was a lot. I, I guess I'll just go with the uh, the opening of like Brad Pitt climbing down the ladder of the space antenna, but you have like the overhead shot and you're seeing the earth beneath him. It's very beautiful. Yeah, and I mean, it's just like normal everyday shit for them. They're just like fixing satellites and stuff. <laughs> Fixing the space station. <laughs> All right. So what was your uh, favorite sound choice, man? Bob, I, I didn't have a favorite sound choice, but the lack of an Armageddon level single from Aerosmith on this is, is bothers me. Okay. So your, your, your favorite sound choice is the worst sound choice. Is, is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They totally could have gotten Aerosmith in on this, Bob. You, re- you really wanted to hear a, an Armageddon song on this one, huh? <laughs> Okay. Well, Bob, what was your favorite sound choice? <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say I, I'm going to go with a sound that's much more pleasant and endearing and lovely than Aerosmith, which is that Norwegian baboon screeching. All right, Bob. <laughs> what was your favorite violence? Matt? The whole murder scene involving the crew going to Neptune. It's a pretty intense one, man. It's pretty it intense. Was bad. It was yeah. bad. It's, it's pretty gnarly. Pretty you start gnarly. To lose your, like you, you look at Brad Pitt, and you're like, ah, oh, I thought I thought he was going to be more like a hero. Now he's kind of like, not so much. But he's still greeted as a hero when he gets back, Matt. <laughs> we don't know that. Uh, it it seemed like he was, man. It seemed like he was. Him back? I don't know. They they don't lock him up. <laughs> they let him. They let him. They let him hook up with Liv Tyler again. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that part. They do. He used to hook up with Liv Tyler. Yeah, I, for me, the best violence was the Norwegian baboon just wailing on the face of Brad Pitt's astronaut helmet. That was intense, man. Um, any regrets other than the lack of an Aerosmith single for this uh, movie, Matt? Matt, if they just used Love in an Elevator for the opening scene of him falling <laughs> down the space elevator, would that would that have done it for you? Yeah, that would have been fine. At one point, I was sort of regretting if having like Tommy Lee and Brad Pitt be related was actually necessary. But, you know, when they when they actually get together, they're good enough actors to sell it. And, you know, giving it a little bit of an Oedipal angle with Brad Pitt having to kill Tommy Lee and sort of becoming Tommy Lee, but sort of not was nice. So I, it worked yeah. out. I don't have any I don't have any real regrets watching this. I thought it was pretty It was entertaining. Is this all the same narrative plot of Heart of Darkness and Apocalypse Now? Uh, it's pretty. It's pretty I mean, it's a it's a decent film, Bob. I don't have any regrets. I don't. And usually most Brad Pitt films really aren't that, you know. I mean, can you think of many bad Brad Pitt films? No, man's got pretty good taste, and he's he seems to be pretty selective in what he does these yeah. days, and has uh, been for a while. Yeah. So, speaking of Matt, what was your favorite Brad Pitt? What's your favorite Brad Pitt performance in general? I enjoyed his character in uh, the Ocean films. I'll go with the uh, assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, where he is uh, Jesse James. It's a pretty great movie. I think it's funny you're talking about Brad Pitt's selective. He was in Deadpool 2 for like half frame. Well, that's a cameo. That's a little different. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and also, Matt, also I didn't, in that awful, I, I didn't uh, I didn't know that because I didn't watch Deadpool 2. Sorry, I'm not Bob, a spoiler fool. for Deadpool 2. But <laughs> on this comic book podcast. Bob, he was in The Lost City with Sandra Bullock. And that's the film we kept making fun of during your uh our top. Okay, never Your mind. Top I was, 10 films of 2021 or 2022 or something like that. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, he was actually funny in that. He, it was a smaller part. 
Oh, okay. But I forgot he was in that film. But I feel like the dude's like, I mean, he works with Quentin Tarantino quite often. What else has he done? Oh, he does. Well, I'm just joking. He makes really good. Yeah. He is very selective. And I think that's because I know he didn't he hate Interview with the Vampire when he originally shot oh, I, it. I, I, I don't know. I don't I'm know. I'm pretty sure he did. I think he bitched about it. So after that, he's like, I got to like make sure I pick stuff I actually want to be in. Oh, he was the Vanisher in Deadpool 2? Yeah, but you only see him for like half a second. Brad Pitt's it's not, the it's not, a, it's not even a kid. It's like it's it's a it's a death scene. It, it, you have to you have to watch it. Oh, he was he was in that uh, great Cormac McCarthy movie, uh, The Counselor. Uh, that's yeah. a great one. Absolutely. Yeah. Or and about Tommy got, Lee Jones, though, yeah. Bob. OK, yeah, if we yeah. talk about Tommy Lee Jones films, I'm still I still Bob him as Agent K in Men in Black. I know that's so <sighs> I know that's so cringe, but that Pleb. dude is awesome. <laughs> That's how I was introduced um, to Tommy Lee Jones. Other than that, all I'd known from before that was uh, Two Face and Batman Forever. <laughs> so it's like, so it was, it was, it was either Agent K or Two Face. Those are those are the options here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just like I just couldn't get past the like. That's the role that like solidified Tommy Lee Jones for me. Um, I really like it. I really like him in The Homesman, which is a Western that he also directed. But he's in a lot of great Westerns. He was in Three Burials of Malaquities Estrada, which he directed. He was in uh, No Country for Old Men as Ed Tom that, Bell. That's famously. a fan. Now, if I want to go more of like an artsy route type film, that that's, you know, No Country for Old Men. <laughs> and when right, I say artsy, Bob, I mean not an action film meant for children. Yes, yes. You mean something not meant for children? Yes. Duly noted. Duly noted. And then, uh, Don, any any favorite Donald Sutherland performances, Matt? I'm going to say Moonfall Bob because that's really I can't remember what else he's in. Oh, that's a shame, man. Um, I I had not seen the original Mash movie before recently, and uh, I I finally watched it with a friend not too long ago, and he's he's the original Hawkeye. He's great in the Mash yeah. movie. Uh, you- <laughs> In the original MASH movie, they play the uh, the MASH theme with the with, with the lyrics the, with the lyrics. Is yep. that not the most insane song ever? <laughs> it is so I creepy. Mean, you can't play that and not like feel like you're like something weird is going on. I mean, I feel like if I worked at a hospital in a in a war zone, I would <laughs> that song would probably speak <laughs> to know, me. Suicide is painless blasting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Matt, I was going to ask if you had a favorite Liv Tyler performance, but then I looked at her filmography, and man, she does seem like another actress that's just been really ill served by Hollywood sexism. Uh, she was in In Armageddon, Bob, and her father Stephen Tyler sang the title song, title song for the soundtrack. Why yeah, did see, we this get is, the accompanying Arab Smith song? We got Liv Tyler. We could have gotten. Stephen this is Tyler. just making me really regret putting. Uh, just even putting a note about Liv Tyler in the uh, in the notes because it, it sent you off on this Aerosmith tangent. And again, yeah. we we we're, we've got our big note for James Gray that if he just used love in an elevator, it really would have made that whole opening scene work. Well, you've seen the video, the music video, right? For uh, crazy. yeah, but like years ago. Yeah, that, that's that's how. I mean, Liv Tyler. That's that's how she got her start. I think. Huh. Well, Bob, I guess we're right. watching a, another uh, another film with a similar plot. For next week. Not a similar plot, just a similar title, Matt. <laughs> similar title. Oh. Also, it's not a reimagining of Apocalypse Now or Heart of Darkness. Yeah, no, it's just this is a very common Latin slogan, Matt. Oh, okay. Well, see, I'm learning things. Yes, yes. That's it. <laughs> My Latin teacher thought we had to speak Latin, so I didn't. 
All right. Well, this has been a, an Uncanny Treks episode on Ad Astra. Uh, I hope people enjoyed this tangent from our Star Trek Strange New Worlds coverage. Join us again when we talk about the uh, Soviet film Per Aspera Ad Astra. And uh, I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening.